So we've got Michael Jones, E. Michael Jones with us. I'm very excited all the way from the US. Um, and I'm very excited about having him on this show because from what I've been, what I've understood is that uh, there's a couple of things I really like about Michael, I like about you, Michael, is first of all, I like your honesty. There's a video I watched in which you said you don't believe the Trinity is in the Bible, but it came through sort of intellectual processes. I like that, that honesty. Um, I like that you have the intellect to know that as well. A lot of Christians don't know much about the Bible. And also my biggest thing is, I suppose, I'm not sure if it's the biggest thing, but you're back to the values of Christianity. I'm, as a Muslim, I promote, I tell Christians as, as the Quran teaches, uh, to get to what we have in common. What we have in common essentially starts with one God and then all these moral values. Find Rather than finding differences, I personally try to find what we should be doing, what we can do to make the world a better place. So, and a quick intro about myself for people who haven't watched. Um, I'm a Muslim. I go to places like Speaker's Corner and I do lots of live streams where I try to promote... Um, Islamic values to make the world a better place. They could be shared amongst lots of different religions. Um, but I think people are eager to hear your voice, Michael. So I'll, I'll stop talking and tell me something about yourself from your own perspective, your own way. Yeah, uh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, uh, I am uh, grew up in Philadelphia. Uh, I'm 75 years old. Uh, and uh, Islam had basically no part in my life growing up. It simply was not significant in the United States of America. It was the triple melting pot in America, Protestants, Catholics, and Jews. And over that period of time, the Jews became more and more important and the Protestants became less and less important. Uh, and that's pretty much what uh, got me, that's how I got started in my uh, intellectual, intellectual journey. Uh, what changed uh, uh, was that 10 years ago, I was invited to go to Iran. Uh, there was a man by the name of uh, Nader Talabzada, who was really a, a visionary. He was a man who was a, truly a visionary. He uh, had basically uh, studied film in uh, New York at NYU. He was uh, Iranians love film. Uh, they make a lot of great movies. Uh, and was ready to, in the middle of that, when suddenly the revolution broke out in Iran, and he went back in 1979 to be part of that revolution. He then got, uh, he got drafted or joined the army. He suffered uh, from the gas attack that the Iraqis had unleashed against the uh, Iranians. He had permanent damage to his lungs, and I think that's one of the reasons why he died uh, prematurely just a, just a year ago. Great visionary. He brought us all together, and that opened the world of Islam to me. Now, I, I had already written a book called uh, uh, Libido Dominandi, Sexual Liberation and Political Control. And so the first speech I gave in Iran was basically about the, uh, the Israelis, uh, the IDF invaded Ramallah in 2002, and the first thing they did was to uh, take over the TV, Palestinian TV stations and broadcast pornography. Now, this was a breakthrough uh, because it showed that pornography was a weapon. Uh, it's not entertainment. It's social control. And I, I said the book came out a year before uh, this incident happened, and I thought this is 
proves that I was right. And that thesis has uh, withstood the test of time to this day. To this day. So uh, Ayo Kamathi, a kind of uh, a black activist here in this country, went uh, to an Arabic country and he, he'd been there before. This time he turns on the TV. They all have uh, satellite dishes. What's he see? Pornography. Pornography. He said, I'd never seen this before and I didn't understand it. But then suddenly I remember what E. Michael Jones said about libido dominandi and so on and so forth. So we're going to talk about this book a little bit as well, because people might not be able to totally guess. I mean, they should be able to guess a little bit about what the book is about. I mean, you you talk about sexual revolution. Sexual liberation liberation. is a a form of political control. No one had ever said that. I'm the first man in human history to ever say that. (laughs) Okay. Because okay. I am the I am the first man in human history who ever understood uh, the real purpose of pornography. Mm. Uh, you can pick up if you read the book, you'll say, "Well, it goes back to the French Revolution. Pornography basically helped overthrow the Bourbon monarchy at that time." But no one ever said it explicitly. The Marquis okay. de Sade understood it, but that that that's that's what. So that was my introduction to. Um, Iranian culture after I gave that talk. And I traveled all over the country, all over Iran, places nobody has ever heard of, even Iranians have never heard of, like the middle of the desert in Fazal, the hottest place on earth. 500 people showed up to hear me talk there. But well, the more I talked to these people, the more they started telling me stories. So they go out, you know, to get the newspaper in the morning and there's a DVD on their doorstep. They take the DVD, they put it into the uh, video, the machine, and it's pornography. Wow. So the country is being uh, inundated with pornography, another substantiation of what I was trying to say. All of these conservative Islamic countries were under assault, sexual assault. Bibi Netanyahu even uh, g- gave it away. He said, we got to make them watch uh, Melrose Place. Make the Muslims watch Melrose Place because then they'll overthrow their governments. Mm, That's been going that, yeah. on. And, and that has led all the way up to the hijab crisis to get to, 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 to enter into that. And this, this, I wrote an article in Cultural. So I've been dealing with, for 10 years now, I've been dealing with my experience of Islam basically through Iran. That's the only country I've ever been. I mean, I've been to Egypt, but I never had any contact with the people there. Dealing with Islam in Iran and, and what you said at the beginning, I'm starting to realize we what we have in common you're right we uh, i get into trouble with conservative catholics when i say we worship the same god but we do worship the same yeah. god because we're monotheists the difference is our understanding of god yeah and the catholics understand that there is a trinity three persons in one god and the muslims do not understand that okay but the the, the deeper thing that we share is logos what I, the mm. greek word for rationality because we are all rational creatures and I'm saying we have a duty to be rational. It's not optional. You have to be <laughs> rational. And if you're talking about reason, there's practical reason. That is known as morality. And you have a duty to behave in a moral fashion. You, it's, yeah. not, it's not an option. You have to be that. If you, don't, if you aren't that way, uh, you're doing something wrong, and eventually you will get out of control. And if once you get out of control, the law will come in and arrest that's, you. That's a very interesting point you make there, because now people, surprisingly in the West, 
who people who think they're rational, who think they're very scientific, we're going down the the route of our religion is feelings. I feel like I'm a woman, even though I'm in a man's body. Right. Therefore, I'm right. a woman. So right. we've gone down that path. And I've been talking about um, the feeling faiths. I call transgenderism a feeling faith. But I also I, I go a few steps back to say Buddhism modern western buddhism is a feeling faith because there's no substance there's just like nice words but then i also said modern western christianity is a feeling faith it's just about i feel like you know god is a white man but there's no proof for example so i think we've got to get to some basic principles about what do we truly know that's really important but let's say that's the interesting introduction done but i'm going to try to steer away back into the main topic which is um is was the cia orchestrated by uh, sorry was the hijab protest orchestrated by the cia but even before that um maybe it's worth mentioning why does it even matter i think you've kind of we've kind of touched on that uh maybe our common cause is what i want to talk about like does it really matter if everybody wears no hijab? And then does it really matter if they wear hardly any clothes? Does it really matter that we have marriage? Do Does it matter if we're adulterous? These are all linked topics for me. I don't know how you feel about it. Do you think they're linked at all in any way? Yes, but there's a hierarchy of values. Yeah. Okay. Now, uh, the so the what I'd say what links us together is Logos. Practical reason is called morality. That's the bedrock. This means that you have to guard human sexuality from corruption. Mm. Because if you don't, the culture will just, it will destroy itself. And this is what you're seeing in England at this time. So when you say, when you say Western Christianity, I have to say, wait a minute, wait a minute. There was a big break 500 years ago called the Reformation. And if you don't understand that conflict, especially in England, you don't understand human history. It's one of the fundamental divides of human history. You can just look at Ireland as an example of that conflict to this day. These are fundamental conflicts. Race is not an issue unless the government makes it an issue, which is what happened in the United States of America. So mm -hmm. I'm saying that what we share is this logos, okay? Where does where does a hijab fit in? Well, first of all, you have to guard human sexuality, which means you have to protect marriage. You when when you have to protect marriage, you have to protect marriage as the institution that brings children into this world because that is the future of humanity. If you don't protect it, you will reach a situation where people stop having children, and that is precisely the situation in Iran right now. They have a, a huge, yeah. huge demographic crisis. So I was in Tehran. They brought me into a mosque. Okay. I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to meet the imam. No, I get to sit at the imam's chair and I give a lecture in a mosque in Tehran about the what I told you about, sexual liberation, political control. After I gave the talk, you know, the guys are sitting up front here on carpets and then the women are in the back in another room. And I said, I have a question. Uh, to the, the people, the men, how many of you men are married? So about 20 guys raised their hand. And then I said, 20 out of what to get an idea? How many people were there? I'd say about half of the people were uh, tw 20, about half of them said they were married. 20 out of 40. Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah. Something like okay, that. Sure. So at that point I went down the line and I said, how many children do you have? 
zero, zero, zero. Not one man had one child. Wow. So I said, you got a problem. I said, you have, uh, your culture has existed for 2,500 years. If you don't do something now, if you don't go home and have a child soon, you will go out of existence. Yeah. That that is the crisis that's facing Iran. That is the crisis that comes about when you don't protect uh, this institution of marriage. Now, are you saying the Iranians did not protect the institution of marriage? I'm saying yes. Hmm. That that's the heart of the crisis. In that's Iran. fascinating to me because I always tell people. It's Muslims who've got the most children around the world, and that demonstrates their family values work. But it's interesting to hear that that's not happening in Iran. No, it's not. And I'm telling you, so if you go to Qom, yeah. this is this is the religious center of Iran. You can go to a mullah, and he, if you give him enough money, he will give you a one-day marriage license. Uh, prostitution, yeah. That's called prostitution. Yeah. Okay. Now this shows you that there is a deep crisis because it goes to the religion. And I'm saying this has affected the entire population and they don't know how to deal with it. Wow. I mean, I I should be more clued up about this because I've always heard about it. But do you know when this, so these one day marriages came about, like, is it historically a a Shia belief or is it just a relative? I don't know. I don't know when it came about, but I do know it exists. So I I have an an example. I met an Iranian woman online. We had deep conversations together. Uh, She came to England uh, because she's a nuclear physicist and she met an Irish Catholic and they fell in love and uh, they decided to get married. So she called up her father. Father rushes in from Tehran and arranges a one-year marriage. I mean, it's not as Crazy. bad as a one-day marriage. I said, wait a minute. What happens if you get pregnant during the one-year marriage? Who's going to raise the kid? So so this is this is part of the crisis. We have to, I'm, I'm saying we, we and me and my, I, my Iranian friends, I'm saying we have to address this issue. Because I think we as in the whole world, quite frankly, but yes, we're focused right, on Iran. Right, yeah. we're, we, because now you can connect sex from procreation and that is yeah. a serious issue. So I'm so, uh, then we have the hijab crisis. This is not the first time they've had a sexual uh, base crisis. In the 2009 uh, elections, there was rioting and it was the women who were leading the rioting. I'm saying, I, I think I understand what's going on here. Okay, you, the crucial moment came in 1989. At this point, the Ayatollah Khomeini died. Uh, and at this point, the Ayatollah Khomeini succeeded him. Now, at this point, Iranians, the average family size was somewhere between seven and eight children hmm. because of this revolutionary fervor that was going on. The Ayatollah Khomeini uh, panicked, I think, uh, felt that he couldn't sustain, they couldn't uh, 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 sustain a population like this, and he introduced birth control. He has subsequently gone on to say it was the biggest mistake of his life, and he has begged Allah for forgiveness for mm. doing this. Okay? But the problem is, it's one thing to apologize, but how do you get people to start acting? Yeah. on this because you introduced this for 10 like 89 we're talking about uh, what almost 30 years now or over 30 years now of bad habits of women who are now 
I, I know I understand the contradiction because you've got these women who are wearing the charter, they're wearing the hijab and they're taking birth control pills. Mm. Well, that's a contradiction. The hijab, the purpose of the hijab is to protect female modesty. Yeah. Okay. But also, I, let me say, I think I, I, I'm not sure if I disagree. I don't. I, uh, but um, you, you talked about there's a hierarchy of values. The number one value above even reason is God. We believe God exists, and therefore, shouldn't we follow God-made laws, who, which are wiser than our very limited intellect? So we start. The reason why we follow the hijab. It's the same reason why we don't have sex outside marriage. The same reason we, we, we don't go for homosexuality. There is reason behind it. I agree. But yeah, just I to I'm just not, clarify. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not denying this. I'm yeah. saying it, I, I think uh, the, the first impression I had in Iran, I was interviewed by a reporter from the New York Times. He said, what's your first impression? I said, desexualization. Hmm. Uh, they, they they put sex back into the private sphere, which is where it belongs. I had just mm. left Chicago. I'm looking at a 10-foot, 10-story high billboard of a woman in her underwear. And now I'm in a country where they put the hijab. Of course you want to project female modesty. The question is, how do you do it? Okay, okay. so let's talk about that before we get in. I want to get into the CIA thing in a minute. But I want to say here what you think about how do we bring back uh let's say family values modesty um even possibly gender roles quite frankly because i think they're one package you don't have marriage without gender roles i think um right. so and in islam it's really clear we, we're already talking about the hijab okay uh we're talking about uh women should listen to their husbands because the man in Islam leads the family, although he's a, a kind leader, but there's definitely a hierarchy. If you don't have a hierarchy in Islam, then you've got a mess, just like a company. If you don't have a boss, then you're in right. trouble. So Islam is really clear about that. In the West, Christianity is basically throwing everything out the window in the West because there's uh, the main form of Christianity nowadays, from my understanding, at least in England, from my experience, is that you just got to believe in everything else. The Holy Spirit will tell you what to do. There's no rules. Forget the Old Testament. Probably forget most Christians don't even know what's in the New Testament. Because even the New Testament, you got Paul saying, St. Paul saying, I say Paul, but uh, telling the you know, women to listen to their husbands as if they were God, right? Um, maybe that's a bit of an exaggeration on his part, but like at least he's got some sort of system there. But what do you believe what's the way forward to bring back marriage bring back modesty bring back uh you know sex proper sexual values any solutions yeah we have to have a discussion in i'm focusing on iran it's the only country yeah. i know oh just briefly because we have we have to have a discussion about the logos of sexuality hmm. logos is mandatory Okay, I think there is a logos of sexuality. I tried to discuss this in Qualm with a mullah. I yeah. got nowhere, nowhere. Hmm. The, the cameraman knew more about sex than the mullah. Right. The camera, the, I, 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 where after about an hour discussion, the mullah says to me, just because you start a Coke doesn't mean you have to finish a Coke. 
<laughs> okay, but I want to know is that, because is I think that, we is that in the Quran? Is that in the Quran? No, Coke so. no. is not mentioned in the Quran. No. But I but I want to make sure like we're nobody's sitting on the fence here. We're we're like clear about what we believe. Um, before we go into the hijab thing, the hijab thing is kind of almost maybe irrelevant if we don't stand for anything. So what do you in terms of let's say female modesty, even let's say human modesty because men are required to be modest in different ways but we think women are more naturally more beautiful so different where i would say islam is um logically more sexist it's sorry lo logically sexist in the sense that it says different rules for men and women because men and women are different how do you let's let's ask you a very specific question what do you, what is female modesty according to you how should it be if you're a proper christian okay it's culturally relative. Now okay. there is an absolute idea of modesty. So uh, I, I'll go back. I'll mention Africa. I've been to. I wrote a biography of uh, Julius Nyerere, the first president of Tanzania. There's a picture of his father and his mother. His father had 17 wives. Okay, there is the man. There is Julius's father. He's got a, a formal British frock coat on. He's got a top hat. And his wife is standing next to him, bare-breasted. Now that was she wouldn't have allowed her picture to take to be taken if she felt it was immodest. She clearly felt that walking around bare-breasted was modest. So uh, do you think that's handed. okay? Well, so what happened in East Africa? I've been there. Do you ever see women bare-breasted anymore? No, absolutely not. Something happened. Once this consciousness rose to a certain level, women covered their breasts and they're never going to go back. So I think there's something objective. Now, I just said it was culturally relative. I gave you the example why I say that, but I think there's an objective reality to the human body that is spread all over the world now that basically you cover up your breast. You're not modest so unless you cover so up your breast. People somehow come to the realization, is that what you're saying, by themselves? What? Not by themselves. It was Christianity that brought that realization to these people. Okay. I it mean, was, it was, yeah. I know, I know exactly what happened because I know yeah. a lot of African nuns yeah. and basically those girls, that nun, uh, uh, a lady from Ireland showed up in uh, Kenya in uh, 1920, something like that. And she started a school. Well, when those African girls came to school, she gave them dresses. They put on dresses because that was the school uniform. Mm -hmm. And once, once I think someone, some of the girls started putting on dresses, the other girls felt self-conscious and suddenly everybody's wearing a dress. Mm. That's Logos sure. rising, I think. That's that, a consciousness that basically the female body is so powerful uh, when it comes to uh, men that you have to cover it up. And that's the po whole point of modesty. And they, they came late to that to understanding in Africa because Christianity came late to Africa. Hmm. So I've got some comments, all sorts of comments. I missed some of them. Um, modesty is not a concept known only to Christians. Obviously. Yeah. I, we, but I the, also want to just bring up them because you made an interesting point about the nuns. So if I look at nuns, I look at women who have set up They've got a basic. They look like Muslims. They're right. women. They all wear, wear the hijab. hijab. Exactly. Nuns right? wear the hijab. Right. And the good thing about about them is they're very clear about what it is that should they they should be doing, how they should be dressing, and they don't leave it to 
pure rationality because actually it's really hard to um without objective morality without god telling you exactly what's right and wrong it's actually hard to realize what is right and wrong because some people will say it's nature and you can have a rabbit hole of a discussion and you'll go on forever and say you know it's free you know you know the the ultimate right is to be you know the ultimate principle in life is freedom and you should be able to do whatever you want and you can go on forever and never resolve a problem or an argument right somebody never wants to learn so i do think what i i was trying to pin you down i'm not going to pin you down too much but i think you do need a prescriptive very well defined set of rules which islam okay now this is precisely the problem in iran right now yeah i mean i was there okay you see the women some people wear the hijab it comes down to here but then you see these westernizers the women who are uh, still enamored with the west and the hijab is moving back on the head and yeah. they dye their hair blonde yeah. you can see them yeah the hijab is moving farther and farther back now the problem is the the morality police now have to run in with a a, a ruler or a tape measure to figure out where the hijab is going to be. That's a bad situation. That is not going to work over the long haul. Yeah. So I think it's a great idea. We all agree that women should be modestly dressed, but we have to understand that it's culturally conditioned. You had a complete disruption of Iranian culture, of Persian culture with the revolution of 1979. If you go look at the way Iranian women were dressing in the 1970s, it was not, there was no hijab, no head covering whatsoever. It was a completely westernized country. So you have the Shah with complete westernization. Then you have the Ayatollah with complete Islamicization and the pendulum swings back and forth. The question is, how are we going to resolve this? Because I think when the supreme leader, current supreme leader dies, there's going to be a civil war. Right. Interesting, because there's too many differences between what the religious and the anti-religious or the basically just a lot of Look, if you don't understand Iranian culture unless you understand there has been a westernizing element and there has been an Islamic element mm. and the pendulum swings back and forth. I'm saying Logos allows us to come to some type of resolution here, of some type of rational solution. But mm. I'm saying you have to have this in the context of a discussion of the Logos of human sexuality. Because mm. otherwise, and, and that discussion will have to come to the conclusion that birth control is immoral. Mm. You can't do that. You can't, uh, you can't uh, allow birth control pills and tell the women to wear the hijab. That's a yeah. contradiction that will yeah. create a revolutionary situation. And that was the, the, the internal cause of the hijab crisis. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, I mean, I want to backtrack a little bit because I said something that I might have made a, let's say, given the wrong impression. So I do believe rationality can lead to a definition of morality, of morality, but it takes a lot of effort and it just definitely does help to have a belief in God and a objective morality, God telling you exactly what to do. I because, agree with you. Yeah. I agree but, with you. So let's no. get on to, okay, I want, in a, you, you say a bit more, of maybe a minute more, but then I want to dive into CIA and the hijab. Okay. All protest. I'm saying, I'm saying yeah. is that Islam has had a crisis when it comes to uh, rationality. And I'm talking about uh, the Asherites. 
the uh, Asherite movement basically obliterated the Mutazilites who were kind of rational and Greek in their orientation. And at that point, God became an exalted caliph who, when he took his evening ride, he'd get to the gate and he didn't know whether he was going to go left or right. Okay, that that had a stunting effect on rationality in Islam and it's had it to this day. Because I don't know about this part of the history. Give me, I'm not, I'm going to learn right now, but like, give me, is this a few hundred years ago we're talking no, about? No, as well. Yeah, it's a few centuries ago. Yeah. yeah. I mean, basically, our al-Ashari, uh, the Mutazilites were the rationalists. They believed in Logos. They were influenced by Aristotle. And then uh, al-Ashari comes along and he writes a book called The Incoherence of the Philosophers, which basically destroyed the Mutazilite movement because the caliph got behind it. And basically it was in the caliph's interest to turn Allah into a tyrant, which is what the caliph was. And that crisis, that crisis, look, I wrote a book called Logos Rising. Hmm. It's all in that book. I recommend it to you and to all of your readers. Okay. And I'd be love, I'd uh, I'd love to come back and talk about it in detail, but all right, let me, let me get cut to the chase here. We've been talking about it too long. This is the the first paragraph of the article that I wrote on the hijab crisis in Iran. It appeared in culture wars magazine, which I recommend to everyone. Okay. You can go find it at culturewars.com along with all the books that I've mentioned. But anyway, First paragraph, following her death in September, Masa Amini became the face which ignited massive protests in Iran over that government's dress code. Over the course of the next few weeks, Amini became a feminist icon in Iran. Like all icons, Amini had little to say about her image, how her image was venerated. The woman in charge of putting words into her mouth was Masi Alinajad, a frizzy-haired harridan who lives in New York City and is an employee of Voice of America Persian, which is, quote, part of an international network of propaganda-producing organizations originally created by the CIA. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, I did a bit of checking up. Totally, she's on their payroll, yeah. Right. Well, that's it. So, uh, But uh, look, the CIA can only do so much. They know, they have people who spend all their time thinking about it. They know the contradictions that I'm talking about. And they know how to get that knife into that crack and Mm. start twisting the knife and exacerbating the frustration that those women feel because of the contradiction of their lives of, Birth control pills and hijab. It's easier to destroy a country using the people rather than have to go with expensive weapons. Right. This is psychological warfare. Psychological warfare began in Tehran, Mm. 1953, when the CIA got involved and overthrew the Mossadegh government and installed the Shah. That was the beginning of the CIA uh, black operations. Yeah. So my I, and I I had the same before I heard from you that you know it it was a uh, this whole hijab protest was orchestrated by the CIA. Looking at it from the outside, having seen one war given you know one war after the uh, the Iraq War, Libyan War, all in the name of freedom, um, I was 
immediately like feeling like this is this sounds like the same story again and again like we're going to give you freedom but we're going to find out first highlight where the problems are and then before that i'm a big fan of watching tourist videos and iranian people from all these westerners seem to be the one of the happiest countries in the world and then on top of that when i watch videos where they have people walking through iranian streets and a lot of them nowadays you're talking about people you know measuring how far back the hijab is a lot of them don't even wear the hijab and on and like you said there was uh, earlier videos which i watched where there's actually a fashion where they color the front the front fringe of their hair blonde because right. that's going to be on show. It's like a standard thing. So right. that uh, Marsha, whatever her name is, her hijab was not that bad. And like, I mean, it just didn't add up. Even the video footage of her collapsing, she was having a great time. And then she collapsed and it didn't look like she was beaten up if she was having a great time before no. that. It did, no. it, nothing about this adds up at all. No. No, I agree. I think it was. I, th I. She died under circumstances that are not clear, but that's when the CIA jumps in. In order to do propaganda, you have to have a category of reality, like a dead body, and then you bring in the category of the mind that explains the meaning for that category of reality, and that's precisely what the hijab crisis is. Hmm. Um, I mean, do, is there anything else that that made you feel or decide that? Is this whole hijab protest was CIA orchestrated? All the stuff that I've told you, the CIA never gave up on on right. Iran. So they so never gave up on them. This is just a long part of a longer story. It's a long story that began in 1979 when the yeah. Americans were embarrassed in public because of the hostage crisis. Uh, uh, so they've never forgiven them, and also you have to factor in the fact that Israel controls our foreign policy. Hmm. Yeah. I said, I, when I was in Mashhad, I said, there are three reasons why Iran does not have a nuclear agreement. Paul Singer, Bernard Marcus, and Sheldon Adelson, three rich Jews control the foreign policy of the United States of America. Hmm. And nothing, that was under Trump, nothing has changed. We have a Jew in charge of the State Department now, Anthony Blinken, who got us into another war. The Jews always get us into wars, and they always claim that it's the American people uh, that they represent. No, they don't represent that. Hmm. Not at all. Right. So we've kind of wrapped up CIA involvement. I think, uh, but uh, I mean, I, I quite enjoyed ex discussing everything up to that argument, you know, like the the need for modesty the need for family values and i'd like to um we've got all sorts of comments that might be worth talking yeah yeah let's, let's go through let, them let's really go quickly. to let's go to the comments uh so i will okay so let's go right from the top um uh i do avoid personally going into overly technical discussions that i don't feel like can change the world but let's go for it anyway is the trinity logos yes yes so cool. let, let me let me explain that okay yeah. you you said the trinity is not in the bible the the word trinity is is not in the bible but there are two words in the bible that need to be explained and one is logos and the other is son and it's the beginning of the gospel of saint john it says in the beginning there was logos logos was with god Logos is God. So for three centuries, basically the Greek Christians 
are trying to come up with some type of explanation of the relationship between the son to the father, God the father, mm. because he says it all the time. He always talks about the father, I'm the son of God, and so on and so forth, doing the father's will. And the Trinity is that explanation. So it's based on revelation, it's based on words of revelation, but it could not have come about without Greek philosophy. Right. It, it turned into basically a, a, a debate about two Greek words. So, but without me going, I'm, I'll just say one thing, but I'm not going to make it into debate. But Jesus said, like, he, he said, he said things like your God and my God. So he basically said he had a God that was the same God as everybody else's. So what would you say to that? I never heard him say your God and my God. He never used the word my God. Right. Okay. Never. So we'll, we'll go into that uh, in another discussion. What's the next one? Um, Marriage is for legitimate children. It's a comment. I think is that self-explanatory. Do you want to make any comments on that? In my book, Logos Rising, uh, I talk about Vico, the Italian philosopher who uh, speculated about the origins of marriage. Uh, and he said it would took, there were random sexual encounters in nature. And at a certain point, uh, the man got scared, was having sex, thunder uh, occurred. He thought God was angry with him. He went into a cave and he decided he was only going to have sex with one woman. This is speculation on Rico's part. Because, and because he had sex with one woman, he knew the mother of the child. He knew that he was the father of the child and therefore he could entrust the property to that child. That is the basis. So it's property. If you want to have legitimacy guarantees the, the ownership of property. I think that's how I would uh, deal with that. That's interesting. I mean, there's, I would say there's many values for marriage. I think the whole of religion is a set of rules to live properly and happily. And if you don't have marriage, you've got chaos of all right. kinds. You've just got yep. chaos. You just, you're going to be an unhappy person. Nobody committing to anybody. There's no certainty in yes. life, no development. Uh, no personal development if you can't commit to somebody you're basically a child forever yeah look at england now yeah absolutely absolutely uh we'll whiz through these um and basically i should say my my comments are based on islam so for example islam describes um the whole thing about being a child forever basically um marriage in Islam is considered a beautiful cloth or be beautiful clothing that protects each other from different things and, you know, uh, binds you together to become a beautiful, beautiful pair, as it were. But anyway, that's another word, another discussion. Um, if the woman, if, if the woman uh, gets pregnant during the one year amount, then her one year husband should be obliged to become her permanent husband. I think that makes sense. Do you? I, I think no, the whole situation for, is ridiculous, though. Isn't it, it? it is a ridiculous situation because marriage has to be permanent. Yeah, it has to be permanent because children are going to come about, and someone's got to take care of those children. If you don't have a, a, a marriage and children are being raised by anybody, you'll end up like with England. The situation in England now, where nobody what about, can produce What about anything. America? It doesn't happen. Is, you don't have the same problem in America. You say in we England, do, maybe because I'm here, but 
It's no, I'm right? saying it because you're there uh, yeah. and because the situation is worse there than it is in America. But obviously, we have the same problems over here. Yeah. Obviously. Now, the, there was a, a racial component to these problems in America. So there was a time when the, the uh, 1963, the black population had a 21% illegitimacy rate. And the white population had maybe 2%, something like that. And there was a man, Daniel Patrick Moynihan, decided to help this, resolve this by giving black men jobs because they had difficult, so that they could provide for a family. It was based on the family wage. Well, the WASP establishment, the white Anglo-Saxon Protestant establishment at that point said, no, the solution to this problem is the birth control pill, which had just been invented and at that point, they took gasoline and they poured it onto the fire. So now the, the black population has an 80% illegitimacy rate and the reg, uh, whole population is 27%. So th that was when you try to come up with a technological solution, namely birth control, to a spiritual and social problem, namely the family. That's the problem. That's what happened in America. Yep, totally agree. And for people maybe who can't see the connection between birth control and the breakdown of the marriage is because before there was a physical limitation as to what you could do. Like if you had sex outside marriage, then a woman would be in big trouble because she's got nobody to take care of her children. She's in big problems. But now you've given that freedom without any sort of intelligence or moral values. You're just going to as you say, pull uh, gasoline or petrol over a fire, yeah. Um, the supply of the pill can easily be regulated. What do you think about that? No, 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 no. Yeah. What, you're do what you're doing is you're disconnecting uh, procreation from sexuality, and that is an idea in people's minds that wrecks marriage. No matter how many pills are available, you've just wrecked marriage. You've destroyed the responsibility that the father should have uh, 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 to take care of his children. You're simply, that's what happens to the black family. The men refuse to take responsibility because, hey, I'm not responsible anymore. You didn't get an abortion. You didn't take your birth control pill. That's the type of mentality that spreads once it's available. Hmm. Hmm. But just a quick thought, do you think the pill could be used for medical reasons? Let's say a woman can, would her life would be endangered because, you know, she can't have bear children safely for whatever reason no Any, absolutely no? not cool. no um let's whiz through this what's the next one modesty is not a concept only to known only to christians any thoughts about that obviously we just it's more a concept in is in the islamic world than it is in the christian world hmm. because why is that the answer is because islamic cultures are traditional cultures that are just now entering into modernity. That's the difference. They preserve that. They preserve those traditional values in their clothing. I would say the answer is that Islamic, the Islamic religion is more precise because as we go into modernity, I'm not sure when we started modernity, but let's call it now. <laughs> um, we've got lots of Westerners joining Islam and they are keeping up those values. So I don't I don't think it's a question of modernity. I think it's precision in the teachings. It's like this I, is what you do. I, I met uh, I spoke to the Basiji in, in Tehran, the ladies auxiliary, the ones who wear the white gloves when they carry their AK-47 down the street. <laughs> okay. And I spoke with a lady by the name of Yvonne Ridley. 
Oh, right. uh, she was a journalist. Okay. Yeah, yeah. She was, Christian she con was famous she, convert to Islam. Yeah. yeah. So she was in Afghanistan. She gets captured by the Taliban and she gets a case of Stockholm syndrome and she converts to Islam. She's sitting next to me. So I, she's got that not, she's got a really fancy hijab. She's got a really fancy charter on. I mean, she looks great. Okay. She's sitting next to me. And I said to the ladies, throw away your birth control pills. And she burst out and says, you just want to keep these women barefoot and pregnant. Well, wait a minute. What type of conversion is this, Yvonne, when you can't deal with this fundamental aspect of female sexuality? And I said to her after I said, Yvonne, who was involved in promoting the birth control pill? It was the Rockefellers. They were the big supporters of the Shah. Hmm. Don't you know that? Uh, and she she couldn't talk to me about it. She couldn't. So talk I'm trying to. to uh, okay, so I didn't really understand her response, but uh, I, I I think it's a bit unfair to say she was suffering from Stockholm okay. Stockholm right. syndrome. I mean, just for people who don't know what that means, it basically means you have a captor and you you kind of feel you feel what's the word? You feel like you identify like, you, you identify, identify with them. your captors. Because she if did. that was true, she, she was captured. She was captured. She was held yeah. a prisoner by the Taliban. Okay, yeah. I, I don't want. I don't want to. I don't want to inflame the discussion. I spoke too quickly. <laughs> She's but still I think a convert you... after all this time. What I was saying. Right. But anyway. Right. Um, but yeah, I'm just. I'm not making everything a discussion. But I might as well say something rather than just listening to. I mean, obviously, we're going to disagree to some extent. But I'm. I'm definitely enjoying the conversation. And agree on a lot of things. Anyway, uh, any patriarchy would value modesty interesting point what do you think yes yeah yeah i think uh, patriarchy uh basically having men in charge in charge of a household lays down some sort of law in the family it creates some sort of uh regularity you women can't do that i don't think women don't right. do that women are good at being very kind and that's also important right. in a different way. God, um, the man, the man uh, has to be the head of the family. Yeah. God, right. that's that's the order of God. There's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. And it's not like that makes men better than women. I don't think it's just a different responsibility. You know, yeah. in Islam, um, women, we're, we're told to love our mothers more than our fathers, despite men being in charge. So that's another thing. Um Wait, can right. I ask you? Can I ask yep, you a go question? On, ask me a question. You can ask I'm, me a question. I'm seeing the same thing here. It says secular coronism with Israeli characteristics. You want to know who she is? This is Claire Kaw, isn't it? Yep, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Is she asking all the questions? Uh, there is a question. I mean, she's the most. Ex yep, yep. Should yep. We well, can we, let's let's ask somebody. Let somebody else ask a question. Um, I, there's I, only. I, that's fine. I'm just going through them, but we can skip that. We can go straight. I've, to this. I've, I've already talked to Claire uh, yeah. a number of times. I deal with her on a regular basis. Let's let's ask. Yeah, let some there's other only people one other question. That's the problem. And uh, it's not of much value, I don't think, is uh, somebody who follows all my videos. So um, I don't I, I briefly mentioned who I am. I'm an Ahmadi Muslim in our emails, uh, which means we I believe in. The, the second coming of Jesus has already come, who's Mirza Ghulam Ahmed. And uh, Alika, who's a Christian from some Nordic country, I forget, Sweden, I think. Um, she's eagerly waiting for me to leave Islam. So that's her comment. <laughs> that's what I can say about that. I'm not sure okay. what you can say about L that. 
Well, let me let me say something. So yeah, sure. af after I had that conversation with the mullah in yeah. Guam, I went out onto the balcony. Yeah. And then another mullah comes out and talks to me. And he says to me, he says to me, you're a believer. We don't want to convert you. And then he said, what we need, what we need to do is work for justice until the 12th imam returns from the state of occultation. And then he said, when that happens, Jesus will be at his side. So every Shia Muslim prays for the return of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, well, there's nothing and there's nothing unusual about what you just said because all the Shia believe exactly what you oh, believe. all the Muslims are waiting for Jesus to come back, except for they're literally waiting for him to fly down from the sky. But we have a metaphorical understanding, just like Jesus had a metaphorical understanding of second comings, because when Jesus came, the Jews said, you can't be the Christ, the, the Messiah, uh, because we're waiting for John, the, you know, so we're waiting for Elijah to fly down from the sky. And Jesus said, John the Baptist, a metaphorical second coming. So we're just like Jesus. We believe in metaphorical second comings. What do you think about that? I believe in a literal second coming. But do you, what do you think about Jesus' Jesus's, Jesus's understanding of um, Elijah's second coming via John the Baptist? How do you feel about that? I've, oh, never, that, heard, I've, I've never heard of that. I know, oh, okay, you didn't know that. that Elijah was supposed to come before John no, the Baptist? No, I've I mean, never, never heard of that. But okay, maybe, cool. maybe the fall is with me. Yeah, I mean, we could. Uh, these are two interesting things we talked about, and we'll maybe we'll make it. I'm trying to make it not too theological for the first one. I want so actually, let's end this conversation because and with a nice roundup. I was so happy to have you here. I think we agreed on so many things. And in the next show, if you're willing to have that discussion, I think we should go into more depth about how are we going to solve the problems the world is facing. We've got a population implosion. We've got morality going out the window. We've got absolute, if you like to use the word logos for rationality, rationality has gone out the window with people thinking they can identify as anything. They can be a helicopter if they want to. There can be a cat. People are literally pretending to be cats now. You know, uh, we are in a crazy world and how do we, maybe work together right. um, as Christians, Muslims, Jews, and people of any rationality at all. And I think, I think it's going to have to be religious people who are going to lead this. What do you think? I agree. Lead this I think I, th I, agree, I agree with the mullah. We should work together for peace and justice until the return of uh, the the uh, 12th imam from a state of occultation or Jesus Christ, depending on uh, where you put the emphasis. Sure. So, yeah, I think, and I'm, I'm what I'm trying to say is that Logos is the only basis for collaboration for people who belong to two different religions. That's it simple. makes sense. Logos means rationality, and we've got to use rationality. We can't say, this is my belief, you should follow it. That's not that's not a method. You say, These are, this is my rationale. Please try to follow it. <laughs> no, this I, I I proposed a paradigm yeah. to the to the Iranians, and it's the Magi. The Magi, Magi were the three wise men from the East. Okay, they were Persians. This is the Persian uh, the Persians who were studying the universe, the skies. They were astronomers, and they discovered that there was a logos to the universe. And then the star appeared and they followed the star and that took them to the Logos incarnate. At that point, they had to make a decision. Do you accept the Logos incarnate on his terms 
And no, no one can force that decision. I can't force it. But I'm saying that we can unite in following the Logos. You know, I'm saying, I think I know where it's going to lead you. But in the meantime, this is exactly what the mullah was saying. We, the Logos of practical reason is justice. Okay, that's what yep. he's saying. That's what he's saying. And we follow that. And then if you're led to the Logos incarnate, you're on your own. You have to make that decision yourself. And I can't force anyone to make that decision. That's right. I don't think, as the Quran says, there should be no compulsion in religion, which means you're, you have to revert to logic, the Logos, whatever you want to call it. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it, Michael. Really, thank you so much. Peace I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it too. Peace. Salam. Salam. Salam.